Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome in for another episode of Making It Rain. As always, my co-host Joe Paterino. How you doing, my man? I am doing swell on this Wednesday evening, Randon. How are you? And my name is Happy Birthday, Randon. Well, thank you. Yeah, it is my birthday. Turning the big three five. Uh, celebrated this last weekend, uh, so you know I'm here with you, folk, uh, tonight. Or you guys are probably going to listen to it tomorrow. So. Uh, happy belated to me in in your in your eyes, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it's it's good. Work today. Uh, had another podcast for the Niners before uh, this one and on this one, so just talking all sports, which is what I love to do. So, that a boy. Uh, it's been it's it's been pretty good. Uh, before we get started, as always, you can find us at hockeyroyalty.com with our articles all the time on Twitter at hockey underscore royalty and royalty underscore pod. Uh, we are on Bleacher Reports. Our articles are getting out there all the time. Stuff flowing daily, pre and post uh, for all the games, uh, as well as pieces that dive deeper into different athletes, as you just did a piece for Jared S. and Dolan recently. Uh, the Night of the Draft is coming up and and all that kind of stuff like that. So plenty of content for you guys. Uh, we do also have some tricks up our sleeve that I will keep hidden until the announcement comes out, but keep an ear out for that. Uh, and let's dive right in, my man. Let's start it off with uh, the ticker here on the bottom, and then we'll show that as well. Uh, Drew Dowdy Silverstick, so obviously the big guy, the toothless wonder there, had uh, his uh, his uh, ceremony for the thousand game, uh, thousand game that he was uh, at. I think that was the Islanders game on the road. Uh, big break, so Kings fans looking forward to this. Uh, what a monumental occasion. I thought it was a phenomenal ceremony. Plenty of gifts. Whole family was there. Our kids were there. You could see that he loves being a father, you know, the kid right on his hip the whole time. And then, you know, the big three that have been there, I think they said that they're the only triad to play over a thousand games together uh or at least the only triad active in the nhl at, at this moment to play all those games together uh being uh kopitar brown and uh dowdy so uh congrats to them for the 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 that there but quick was also up there uh obviously the the banner uh team so man it was it was uh Plenty of fun, plenty of awesome uh, memories there. Watching the highlights in there, and then you know him just smiling and everything like that. Uh, what, do you, what what's your fondest memory of Drew Doughty? Um, and were you able to catch a little bit of the after play? Because I know you had a away game for your for your high school team last night. Yeah. So first first of all, really cool ceremony. I thought it was awesome that he had you know those other three guys up there with him. Quick, uh, Kopitar, Brownie. I thought that was really cool. 
And a little bit of a funny, uh, I saw, you know, the, what he said about, you know, thanking Edmonton. He knows this sucks, but we'll get, we'll, we'll get going here pretty soon is in true Dowdy fashion. So it was, yeah, it was cool. The, the one thing that sticks out to me with Dowdy and man, you know, first of all, we're going to look back as Kings fans in a few years here when it's all done with, with Dowdy and these other Kopitar and Brownie and quick, it's like, what a run. I mean, it feels like just yesterday that, that these guys were just starting, but so it's been it's been a blast. But I think of one the first thing that popped in my head when thinking about man, Dowdy memories was that game two uh in the cup final against New Jersey. He scored uh in the first period a bit of an end-to-end rush. He made a, an awesome move just inside the blue line to beat beat one of the Jersey defenders and just zipped one past Brodeur. It was such a sweet goal. And that's I actually immediately went back and watched that. Just it was one of my favorite memories uh, in terms of, of moments for Drew Doughty and um, just what a player, what a special player that uh, the Kings have had the privilege of, of having. And to be honest with you, like he, he had a couple of years there where like it was getting a little rocky. Everybody was talking about how he's fallen off and the contract's horrible and he's done. The Kings are in trouble and he has had a resurgence here the last couple of seasons. So good on him, man. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, a great. I love that memory there. I think the one that stuck out of my mind, and they had it on the uh, on the video, was when we're having that little rivalry with Calgary, and we were in Calgary, and he got the game winner, and then just yeah. dropped, like guy for chest first into the glass. Like that's right, mother effers. Like that's that's what you're talking about. That's his attitude there. So, no, I, I you know really enjoy him. You couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, interesting thing that he said. You know that he the only thing he regrets is not taking his health seriously. When he was younger, you know, working out and doing all that kind of stuff. I know he hates uh, that nickname Donut when he was a, a younger guy, you know. But you know, I hypothetically, mean, what could he, what could he have been better if he was like working out and in the gym and not just skating and having fun? He was number two overall pick. He was uh, really, really good right from the get go. A couple of cups, a bunch of all stars, gold medals. Like I, I'd say, he's done all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying that his career has been bad, but like if yeah. you're saying like, hey, like if I didn't work out at all and I'm an NHL Norris Trophy winner, right? Like if he hired a personal trainer and and you know and ate healthier, you know, like what could have hit? What could he have done? You know, rambled off three or four consecutive Norris trophies and all that kind of stuff. It would have been interesting hypothetical to talk about, but uh, yeah, great career so far. Uh, my mind. It, uh, First year Hall of Famer as soon as he's eligible, uh, and uh, one heck of a guy from from the looks of it. Yeah, some guys, man, are just blessed to be able to. I don't want to say not put in work because I'm sure he, and especially as his career has gone on, he's done a lot to to take care of his body because he's playing. He's he's turned it around like he's he's playing at a, at a high level again as he's getting into his mid thirties. And uh, but some some guys, you look at Phil Kessel. He's another one that just. He doesn't have to do for whatever reason the, the the same as some other guys do, and he's able to have put up huge seasons year in and year out. So some of those guys just have it. Yeah, so it's so funny. Like I mean, it's a different sport, but I like, the first guy that popped in my mind was like David Wells, right? <laughs> like just like like he doesn't look like an athlete, but he's up no. there, you know, tossing in in the in the World Perfect Series for the, for the Yankees and stuff like that. And just yeah. it's just kind of crazy there. So. Yeah, thank you, Drew, for for the thousand man, and and hopefully we see quite a bit more, and and can raise a, another cup in your career there. So, let's move it on here. Uh, the Olympics, right? Uh, you mentioned um, uh, it's well, we didn't mention that. I think the right now when we're talking the U.S. women's game is going to be coming up here soon. I didn't look at the schedule before coming on. About an hour and a half. Yeah, yep. the gold oh, game, yeah. the gold medal game is coming up. Uh, so go team USA at this point. Point, um, and uh, we'll see how that there, but. Team USA lost last night to Slovakia uh, in the shootout. We were the number one seed coming out of our pool. Uh, so kind of a little dagger to the heart there. But let's uh, let's relate it to the, the Kings a little bit. Faber was relied on. He had played the most minutes of any player on on Team USA and, and showed and put another feather in his cap. Yeah, he did exactly what, what he's kind of just ch- slowly but surely in his progression just – is playing this this style of game where he's he's able to play a ton of minutes. He played over 24 minutes a game, uh, which is pretty impressive for such a young kid playing at this level. Um, and we thought, you know, we talked about it before, you know, we did our kind of world junior preview, it sort of tied it into the Olympics of, you know, this is a another opportunity for him to kind of showcase what he can do on a bigger stage. 
and I think he 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 answered the call. I mean, if, if a coach is calling you to play 24 minutes a night, you're doing something right. And um, he's he's proven to be a really responsible defensive player. He took a big hit right off the hop early in the tournament, um, shook that off, and and it, it maybe sometimes not going to speak for for Faber, but sometimes that stuff is, you know, not that you needed it to to you know get any sort of you know motivation or anything like that but it helps you kind of get into the game like okay we're here <laughs> these guys are here to play and uh you know we're gonna have to get after it and um you know he individually had a, had a solid tournament um and i think i just hope that he just continues this progression goes into minnesota finishes that year strong and then um we'll see him somewhere whether it's la or ontario in the second you know in a month or so right so um or a couple months so i think it's it's a it's a good tournament for him to showcase what he can do. Uh, I think uh, it's it's telling, given the minutes he played, that the coaches thought the same thing. Everywhere he's went, he's earned trust instantly. And you know, I believe last year on the World Juniors, he was uh, slotted in the beginning of U.S. camp uh, as the third pair, uh, and instantly became a first pair guy after one game. You know, you 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 could say I don't know if he was favored to be the the ice leader for a defenseman going in. I didn't read anything uh, to support or deny that, but he definitely earned that going in. And T-Mac's a, a coach for the Kings that loves reliability. He loves, he knows what he's going to get from you. And, you know, if he's coming in next season, I mean, I, I assume he'll start on the rain uh, after the NCAA. But next year in camp, reliability might be a big thing, whether you believe in offensive upside of, of Jersey or is Walker and Roy still going to be there? They're going to be traded away. But I mean, gap, good gap control, which is his biggest strength and his intelligence of where to be at the right time translates universally is what it's showing based on the level of competition that it's worked on consistently. I know there's another jump going to the NHL, but I wouldn't be surprised seeing him in a Kings uni uh, at the beginning of next season, depending on what moves they do and do not make. I don't know if this is going to be controversial in any way but given the depth that they have along the right side i i i would use him as a trade piece i think he's he's all he's doing is gaining uh trade value i would say especially after the looks of the tournament and the reason i say that's just of their depth on the right side right and somebody's gonna have to go and i the one thing i question is i don't know what the offensive production is going to be from him as he turns pro I'm just not sure. And I think we're seeing what the offensive production can be from the likes of Dursey and the likes of Jordan Spence. Uh, Helgi Grunz is having a, a decent season offensively for the rain. And he's at such a young age in his first year pro. So I, I think that, you know, if he's a, maybe I'll put, maybe I'll word it this way. <clears throat> if he's a guy that a team is, wants to be part of the key pieces in a prospect deal coming back, We'll just say chicken, for example, pick your name, whatever, that, that say Arizona wants Brock Faber as a key piece. <clears throat> I'm not hesitating on doing that because they have the depth to do it. So my questions, the only questions I have is, will he produce as he gets up to the pro level? He's not been a huge point producer to this point in his career. So to expect it to turn and become that at the NHL level. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you have all these right shot guys that are that are producing and, and looking like really exciting offensive players. Plus you have a guy like Matt Roy, who's under contract for a little bit longer, who just he just signed a three-year deal. He's still young. He's in his kind of mid twenties and he's proven to be that steady Eddie, Mr. Reliable. So if they already kind of have that guy established at the NHL level, if, if Faber can net you a, 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 a gem, I do it. And yeah, it's not to be a knock on Faber or anything like that. If anything, it's a compliment, yeah. right? But that's eventually somebody's going to have to get moved out. I mean, that you can't right. play five right shot D. So, <clears throat> so I, I, two points to that. One is we talked about perceived value or increase in value based on where you started as, as, as a professional hockey player or being after being drafted, right? Second round pick. Uh, from the Toffoli deal there. And now based on his play, not only in college, world juniors, the Olympics, he's probably got a first round value in, in a, in a, in a trade scenario, right? Like if they're saying that Chikrin, you know, we're going to continue using that deal wants multiple first round value type players. Yep. You know, he probably has that at this point. 
Two, you're like, okay, again, where, what, what is the team? Do they want prospects? Mm-hmm. You know, do they want a movable piece right now? Right. It does. Does Arizona say, Hey, like we want a guy that can start right now uh, on the second line. Well, that would be Roy or that would be maybe Jersey. And then you keep Faber or something like that. Um, you still need guys that are uh, minute eaters that aren't going to allow a lot of goals and and be reliable. And maybe his offensive game is not poor. It's just good. And he doesn't give up very many points. And you, know, you need the, those guys too. Um, and so, but yeah, eventually somebody's going to have to go. And I think you're right. I think his value has increased from a second round uh, to a first round grade uh, if you were to give up that kind of option. Where do you will just play for for shits and giggles here? Where do you rank him? So you've got Clark, Dursey. I'll still include Dursey in this because uh-huh. uh, you know he's still just getting his, his first NHL action. So Clark, Dursey, uh, Granz, Spence. So along the right side here, where and then you've got Faber. So where? How do you kind of slot those five guys? Um, like this is he. Obviously, Clark's one. I think we can probably, yeah, agree on that. These next four, you can probably shuffle in. You can probably make an argument for any of them. Really, Jersey's the one right now that's playing the NHL. But you see what Spence is doing in the AHL. Obviously, um, uh, Grons is having a good season as a 19-year-old. So, I don't know where you rank Faber. How you consider Faber compared to the rest of them? But um, you know, again, I I think of the bunch, I think I kind of prefer probably two or three. Okay. Okay. And, and and here's why. He's proven that he can do it against adults. He's yeah. not in the AHL. He's proven he in short sample size for the Olympics. I get that. Yep. But he dominated pretty much in the World Juniors uh, as far as the defensive stalwart. He's playing in the NCAA, which by all accounts, he's doing a phenomenal job there. So if my thought process is which pick or which player, if I keep, has the highest likelihood of hitting that successful threshold of games played and i would say faber would be up there because of his reliability uh as far as his skill set you could you i would put jersey or spence uh over it offensively because you know offense is harder to find but because of his reliability and his able to eat minutes i'd say he's probably two in that aspect of the fact that you could plug him anywhere in the first second or third line knowing that he's already played against men playing 25 minutes a night and he could do that. Um, you know, two or three would be where I would put him there on the likelihood of him being a solid NHLer. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're in agreement. Splitting that, hairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's great that he's, he's developing the way he's developing. And if they shoot, if the Kings end up, if he sticks in the Kings organization and they go a different direction in a trade, great. Um, good, good on him. But I think that it's a, it's a, you know, one of those quote unquote, good problems. Um, I think for the Kings to have, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, when do you pull the trigger? Because you don't want guys to have that value. And then as they play, the value comes down and now you've lost it. Right. Like you look at a guy like, uh, Gabe Velarde early in the season, zero, nothing. He couldn't have had any less trade value. Um, when he got sent down to Ontario and you just want to like kind of avoid that situation. I think if you can uh, outside, of, outside of injury, I don't think his trade value will drop favor the, the season. Yeah. Oh, agreed. By the end of the season, completely agree. I'm just because that, that's, NCAA he's proven that he can do it. Minnesota yeah. should take a decent run. Uh, and then if he plays for the AHL, you could say as a, a, a guy like, Oh, well, you know, he it's just him adjusting to the different game. He only had a yep. small sample size. Yep. You can't make any adjustments on that. Like yep. You could make that argument, um, you know. But other guys in the, in the organization, Spence has obviously risen his stock from a fourth round pick to mm-hmm. a second or first round gra- uh, grade, playing in, at the level he's playing at the at the level below. Uh, Grons is probably even as a second round grade is probably what I would say. But he hasn't uh, been discouraged there, and you know, Jersey. Uh, is a proven, not proven, but he's an NHLer that if you were to trade for him, you would know what you would be getting. You'd be getting a definitely power play two with power play one potential uh, that you could plug and play right now. So Yeah, of the of the crop, Jersey, just by sheer fact that he's played the NHL games, is at least the most, you know, kind of, quote again, quote unquote, known product of the bunch. So depending on what a team's looking for, who knows? That, that may determine it. But 
Um, good on Faber. Good tournament individually for him. Unfortunate for the United States that uh, you know they had a heartbreaker last night. So um, hopefully the women pull it off tonight. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hope so. And then move. Look, we've been saying this at nausea. Moves are going to have to happen. They got they got a billion right shot D under contract, and uh, there's only three slots. So uh, maybe four if you include the seventh guy or or making one guy play the other end, but. Moves are going to have to make, and he's definitely increased his stock. And it'd be interesting if he, if a team would include him over a guy like Spence or Jersey or, uh, you know, I would say Granz is probably the lowest, no offense to him, but he's probably the lowest of the five. So you're looking at whether a team wants more reliability or offensive output. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. He's definitely a, an opportunity. I think, like the King said, uh, or like we said in the, the midway, I think the only untouchables are probably Byfield. Kaliev with the way that he's playing this season and Clark and everybody else is on the table. I, that's probably fair. Yeah. So let's get into the games. We missed last week uh, with a little scheduling thing here. And uh, so we have a ton of game to talk about some ups and downs over the five, uh, a couple double headers here. And then the last one with the condor. So start with the grand rapids going outside the Pacific here, uh, you know, making that a little, uh, trek up there, uh, up north, and uh, they first they came over there. That's not too far from where I am. A few hours away from me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you could have made the road trip, man, if you wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but first game came out hot, man, and went on the road. Uh, came out hot, five-two uh, win. Uh, got outshot <laughs> in this game, so a little anti or a little uh, reverse luck of uh, what the LA Kings seem to have all the time out shooting and not being able to score. Uh, they were had plenty of goals in here. Started off quick with a power play goal, keeping the power play hot with Jared Anderson Dolan from Tynan and Spence. I think you could probably uh, find a power play combo line name, whatever you want to do for that, because that that triad uh, has been coming up rather a lot lately. Yeah, and and with Anderson Dolan, I, I put it in the uh, the piece I just wrote about him is and Spence talking about him and Spence is they've got definitely a connection. He's got three tip-in goals all on Spence point shots, and you can see that that there's there's a certain chemistry there. Uh, I think that that they've that there's a timing with when Anderson Dolan is able to make his way to the front of the net. I know this particular game, it wasn't a, a tipping goal, but this, to your point, there's something going on with this, with this uh, trio, and uh, Jared Anderson Dolan's just been a, an absolute rock on that first unit all season. Savage. Yeah. Right? He's been great. Yeah, and you know, I think he's done exactly what we asked of him in the beginning of the season: add d- d- a dimension to your game. And uh, right now, I would not be upset if they brought him up to the Kings because no, uh, th- the fact that you you haven't got any goals from Brown. I don't want to get in, beat up Brown any more than you know, that we that we have already have in previous uh, podcasts. But the power play doesn't look any different after the couple weeks, and that was a little bit of a disappointment for me. Uh, we didn't see Byfield. We didn't see. Uh, you know, um, any of those kind of changes that looked the same ragtag, like, uh, let's just piece it together. And, and for me, that that was a little bit of a disappointment. And I think it's a skill set. There's I mean, we saw it for over a decade from uh, from a shark named Joe Pavelski is it's a skill to time when to be in front of the net, where to be in depth and and tipping those pucks. in. it's a very much a, a skill set, not only physically, but mentally of, of getting that timing in. Uh, and Anderson Dolan has seemed to at least uh, develop that foundation for that skill set, uh, as well as Jordan Spence being able to find the the, the holes to, to get it to him. And it's also the ability, and I think this is in part why what makes certain guys on the power play so effective is how they how quickly they process the game. So I look at that. He had an assist on uh, Gabe Velarde's goal in their last game against Stockton. But it was a it was a shot from the point and a rebound. And so often, even at the pro level, you see guys just the rebound kicks out and they just whack it, right? Did his throw back on net. He didn't do that. The rebound kicks out. He corrals the rebound, takes a pause, waits a second, and finds Velarde. It pulls the goalie. He pulls the goalie toward him. He throws it to the front to Velarde, who taps it in the empty net. And again, that's just a, a processing thing where he recognizes, he knows where Velarde is. He doesn't have to panic. He doesn't have to make a rush play. I'll settle the puck and I'll make the feed to to Velarde. So he has really done a nice job in that low spot that, uh, I, again, I'm not necessarily saying Kings call him up, put him on PP1. I, I, I'm not 
I get that that may be a little bit crazy, but he he's doing a really nice job in that position this year. Uh, it doesn't really matter which power play you put him on because both Dowdy and Dursey like to shoot a lot, but I I, I am saying that. I'm saying they should call him. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, and the, the power play still remains first, and we saw it in this game, uh, or first in the Pacific. We saw it in this game with going three out of four. Uh, so the second period, Wagner uh, gets his 10th of the year, and then Furk on the power play uh, gets his 20th of the year with uh, Spence and Tynan there on the power play. Shocker. More power play points for for Spence and Tynan. Uh, Tynan is now is still second in the league in total points with eight goals and forty four assists for fifty two. Uh, just keeping that steamroll going going. But yeah, the second period they kept it up with uh, capitalizing, and that moved well onto the third period with uh, with uh, Fagimo getting his fourteenth of the year assist from Turcott and uh, Velarde, and then Turcott gets his own goal in the power play assist for Madden and Fagimo there. So good game for Turcott getting yep. uh, two points in the third. I thought he uh, was one of his more, uh, when I watched this, if I remember correctly, cause I haven't, I didn't rewatch this game, but my thought process, he looked a lot more consistently visible in this game, especially in the third. Uh, nice to get him, uh, see him get rewarded. Strung a few games together. That was his third game in a row with a goal too. So he'd started to because we've been kind of talking about like he's playing a fine game. He's playing a good two way game, but the production's kind of you know hit and miss. So he he got a little hot there for a bit. And I actually think he had a that was in the midst of a his, his six game point streak just ended uh, against Bakersfield. So he he started to put some things together from a production standpoint, which was is good to see. Good him getting rewarded for the work he is putting in. Yeah, it, it's great, and he's he's right around. If you look at a points per game basis, if you take away a couple of the guys that uh, only were up there for for one or five games, he's still you know eighth on the team uh, at point six nine. So he's starting to put together a little bit here and there, eighteen points on the season, uh, and we'll and we'll see how that works out. So, uh, anything else on this game before we go to the the second half of the the doubleheader there? Matty Valalta, 35 saves. He yeah. is, uh, and I'll, I'll, I was going to note it a little bit later, but I'll just do it now. Six straight starts, he's had to make over 30 saves. So the Rain are giving up a ton of shots on goal, but Matty V, good game out of him. Nice, nice. So let's go to the second <laughs> game there. Uh, this game a little bit more on the opposite side, 5-3 uh, Griffins. Uh, Griffins outshot uh, the Ontario Rain 37-31 to with a punishing first period. Uh, that may not look that bad by the score sheet, uh, considering it was 3-2 after one. Uh, but Grand Rapids put up 23 shots. They did. And uh, this was, this, again, again it, it, the, it's been an issue. Um, the Rain are, are giving up a fair amount of shots on goal. I mean, this is a game where their goaltending got absolutely peppered. Actually, Ingham started uh, this game, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit of a rough go uh, for him today or, or today in that particular game. But, um, again, another power play goal that they gave up. And as you'll get to, I'm sure, this was a you know, a, a strange game for the rain. They, they went 0 for 7 on the power play. And in doing so, they gave up two shorties in this one, which has been pretty rare this season. They had only given up one up until this point. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a short, uh, short shorties all night. There was three of them in the game. You don't often see that. Uh, Brett Sutter had one at the end of the first, uh, you know, on on the uh, Griffins power play there. So goal from Gabriel uh, Gabriel Velarde there um, in the first, and then Brett Sutter with the shorty. Uh, you're also looking at uh, Jad uh, from Turcotte and Velarde. So obviously Turcotte, like you said, extending the point streak there. Velarde getting uh, two points on the day, and, and Jad there. So. Yeah, tough, tough go in between the pipes. Um, you you saw that. Uh, I think maybe you could take a positive out of this game. Uh, would be in the third period. Ontario did score to try to try to get going back. They scored uh, uh, at nineteen thirteen, uh, way late, but uh, they did score. Uh, but they held they held Griffins to three shots. So they were they were consistent on the defensive end. Couldn't get the offense going, and very rarely are you going to see a team who's first in power play go zero for seven. Yeah. Uh, so some games are just anomalies, and you know uh, you got to give them to the Griffins. They beat us. Uh, little lapses in judgment, and maybe the zero for seven was pressing them, and so they were making mistakes on allowing uh, the the return shots uh, from the shorthanders. 
For as good as they've been offensively and on the power play specifically, I'm willing to chalk this one up as just kind of one of those games. But um, and again, but I, I've said it a couple of times now, a theme in terms of they're just they're also giving up a lot of opportunities. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's switch it over to the Stockton Heat games here. Uh, so battling for one and two in the division uh, right now. Let's look at the standings. Heat standing up the top uh, as of this morning when I looked it up. Uh, 27, eight, three and one for 58 points. Rainer right behind them. Two points behind at 25, nine, three and three at 56. Uh, but this game started off here with the rain up five, two, a little, fi- a lot of five twos, a lot of five threes in the, the first three games here. Uh, started off one, one, uh, Emilio Pedersen for the stock and heat gets it up early two minutes into the game. Uh, but then Tyler Madden from Jor- who else? Jordan Spence. And then Akil Thomas. Uh, gets his first assist of the season. Tyler Madden's twelfth goal on the year. Good for good for Madden. He's a uh, making it rain favorite. Uh, nice to see him get on the board. He's starting to. He's been after kind of a stretch without a lot of goals. He's he's kind of started to be relatively consistent. He's finding the net more often, getting some a lot of good opportunities. Again, like I said, we like him on this show. So um, nice to see him continue to put the puck in the net. Yeah, a little bit different day from not only the the rain, but back to back games with no uh, power play goals, zero for three in this game. But they also didn't did not give up one, so a little bit more sturdier on the special teams, uh, stopping all four opportunities for Stockton. If we move it into the second period, it was all rain on this one. The shots didn't show the pitcher. Fifteen twelve in favor on Ontario, but we put three in the back of Twine. Yeah, that was it. And I'll tell you, this game it was one of those with. Uh, um, it, you, you're getting contributions, and we've talked about this before. We're getting contributions from other guys. Helgi Grimes jumps up into the play and kind of puts home a second chance opportunities from behind the net. Actually, Austin Strand with a zipper uh, from just inside the right point. So you're getting that contribution from the D men. That that was nice to see. And again, Jod uh, just buries it. He's he's just continued his strong season. Um, so that's again big second period, like you said. Yeah, Turcotte continues a point streak with back-to-back uh, two assists in the second period. Jad gets his 17th of the season, which puts him in second place on the rain. Martin Furk with 22, Jad 17, Samuel Fagimo with 15 on the year. So definitely a strong second period there. Uh, and then, um, or uh, yeah, uh, oops, wrong game. Yeah, strong second period there. Uh, and then uh, they they uh, put it away with empty netter for Martin Furk and TJ Tynan just gets a, a nice little assist on that to pad his stats. And 33 more saves from Matt Valalta. Yeah, really stepping up. Um, you know, consistency is what we've been asking of him, and I think he's been very consistent of late. Absolutely. He had one one rough stretch, uh, three games in a row, four goals against it, a little bit of a rough patch. He's been, other than that, he's been kind of under the radar solid, I would say. I'll say the one thing I'll say though, and I hate to beat up on it because he's had a good season, but you know, especially going back to the Grand Rapids games, the first game against Grand Rapids, um, they, they win five two. I kind of want those two goals back. Right, they beat them tweeners. I think the first, I think they were both either both tweeners. Or the first one was like a, he he still at times has a tendency to give one up, even if he's playing well. He gives up one where it's like you know he probably wants that one back yeah you know yeah. so there's progress but i i still think there's uh there's there's more to come which is good which is good because i think there's there's still uh, a better goalie in here too yeah so a, a progression there and <laughs> when we move into the the next the final one uh final in a, a shootout there stockton heat and this was a slugfest back forth back forth like oh my gosh man like it was just like never ending and like this person scores back there uh you know total shots uh 50 to 34 so goalie's getting peppered in this one uh stocking heat unfortunately pull it out six to five but let's start it off in the first period here uh heat come out uh kicking really fast with kirkland and simpson getting uh back-to-back goals uh within a minute and a half yeah uh you, you figured they were going to come out uh, pretty hot the second game. They just lost the game before, so not too too surprising to see him jump out to the lead, but big for the rain. They get a late power play, and it takes them no time to uh, to score the goal. I mean, I think that power play goal happened within uh, – I'd have to see the box – within seconds, it felt like, right? Ten seconds yeah, uh, went off the really clock, quick. I think, before Velarde buried it. So that was a big, big goal to keep them 
you know, get going into the second period down two one instead of two nothing. Yeah, huge, huge goal there, and then uh, it, you know, it really uh, ended the two game streak with no uh, with no power play goals there, and so uh, <clears throat> definitely going to get back on it. Jab with the assist with with Ferk, and so going in going to the second, it doesn't seem that bad, right? Uh, you know, you're only down two one. You probably got outplayed most of the period. It was time for Ontario to come back at it, and boom, Heat gets their third of the night. Uh, Luke Phillip and we're man like man like can we just get some we get something going here we need to get something going and uh, the power play came up big again three for five on the night and Gabriel yep. Velarde gets his second power play goal of the game. How good has Velarde been? Over a point a game now in the HL, he has done just I think exactly what what we as fans were hoping to see. He went down and he's played very very well and the production is there. He's been a creative player scoring on the power play. Uh, it, it's great to see, and I, I think the two names—if I had to pick two names of, that I that I want to see in Los Angeles—it's it's Velarde and Jared Anderson Dolan ahead of anybody else. Yeah, um, I'm extremely happy with with his play. And who would you know, Jared Anderson Dolan with the assist and, and TJ Tyne in there? So, yeah, getting back at it, and then you know they, they, this was the—I uh, don't know if this was the first game that Kupari was down there. Uh, no, he played the game before. So, uh, got sent down, but gets a goal in this one from Tyler Madden and Wagner, uh, first of the season for the rain there. And then boom, tied back up at three. So this is where the slugfest happened back and forth. If you look at all those three goals in the second came within four minutes of each other. And so it seemed just like as much as we were getting the updates on Twitter and watching it live, it was happening in, uh, in the game just as fast. Uh, and you, then you get Byron, uh, froze day. I think that's how you pronounce it with his 12th of the season. And another late goal with 19 on 1938 power play Samuel Fagamo uh, from Spence and Tynan. And another power play goal. Uh, it was you know, Fagimo's over there on that left circle, one time shot off the wall, and it snuck its way in. So, um, and he had a, and I know we'll get to it, but boy, he had a beauty shootout goal Fagimo did in this game. Oh, too. yeah. Whew. So, so going there, uh, you're looking at, man. Three, three out of five this game. The power play is getting going. We're, we're looking good here. We're looking good. And then not only that, if you look at Sneaky right now, the, the penalty kill is holding their own. Right? Yeah. So yeah. back-to-back games, this they didn't give up a goal there. They only gave up two. So uh, you're looking at uh, that 16 power play opportunities, only two goals. So two goals and in, in 16 opportunities in four games. Uh, hey, we're not uh, we're not near the bottom anymore. Or we're we're moving up instead of eighth. We're seventh, and in the Pacific now. So give it up for the penalty kill. Major points. I think they moved up one point seven percent in these five games. They're at seventy six point three on the season. Let's kick it over to the third quarter here or period. Uh, you're looking at uh, Heat started off uh, at eight thirty within the period. Uh, Pedersen gets his first or third of the season. Yeah, and you, you know you alluded to it before. Just uh, it's been. A bit of a slugfest, kind of back and forth. So you, you know, whoever take the next shot. But you figured, you, you hoped that the rain were going to keep coming, and and they did later in the period. But um, you know, it's just it was one of those games where where you knew that this wasn't done scoring. Somebody was going to put pucks in the net in the third period. Yeah. So and that happened to be Rasmus Kupar with his second of the game. Good for Rasmus. You know, I think you look at. I thought he came up in the Kings. Uh, looked pretty. Uh, pretty good. Uh, had a, a couple uh, his a fair share of points early, um, and then went on that dry spell. Uh, we talked about in in the in the Kings halfway point that he was probably the one re- referencing that um, you know you can uh, lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Uh, you know he's u- us- utilizing that that feet to get to the net, driving driving the hole. What you're seeing Adrian Kempe do more consistently this year. What Athens U does a lot. You know utilizing his best skill t- uh, to his advantage. Uh, and so I think this is probably a little bit of a con- confidence booster getting two goals in this game. Yeah, I think that was yeah, it's good. And you saw his reaction to the tying goal. It was a nice play in front of the net off a rebound. Uh, he bangs home the uh, in, into the empty net there on the rebound. So late in the game, he was pumped to tie it up. But he gets two goals. The, 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 his first one was kind of a nice play. Uh, odd man rush. He's going hard to the net. Uh, down the down the center lane drive there and, and and is able to put it in. So two two good kind of hard working goals for him that that maybe some people aren't necessarily expecting to see from from a skilled player like Kapari. But he's he's got that. Uh, he'll go to the dirty areas if he has to. He did that in this game. He he's been known as a perimeter player his whole life, and I think that if he's going to make, you know, one thing we we asked Jad to improve his game, and he needs to, Kapari needs to improve his game and and take that 
take the puck when he has it from, uh, you know, on his own into the center and then make, be able to make more plays uh, in, in the dirty areas to kind of help with his goals. You know, it's it's very hard to shoot from the outside and score and, and not take the puck in. And you have to have that different dimension to your game. And so uh, maybe this is kind of like a little flash in the, in the, uh, in the head of his that he needs to, to be able to create uh, at different levels. So kick it over to overtime, no scoring, no penalties there. Uh, <clears throat> Ontario rain outshot them three to two. Uh, but you know, you're looking at Velalta gave up, uh, gave up five in this game. So not great on the overall goals, but when you're getting peppered with 50 shots, right. uh, the, the heat were definitely hot as far as creating opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, you're, you're right. It was, it's, it's hard to say that, that a goaltender had a, had a great game when he gives up a handful, but uh, at, the same, at the same time, he made 45 saves. So, you know, it's, it's um, another stretch. He had a stretch of six games in a row where he had to make over 33 saves. So he has been a very busy goaltender. There's no question about it. Yeah. See, I guess just seeing more shots is going to get him developed here. So we go to the shootout here. Uh, Velarde <laughs> gets, gets a yes. Kirkland gets a yes, and then Madden with an, uh, did not make it in there, and then Matthew Phillips gets it. So Heater up two to one. We need a big goal, and up comes to the dot Samuel Fagimo. Uh, talk us through what you saw from the uh, the fantastic shootout goal and and that poetry in motion. I wasn't sure what to expect, so he's coming down as a right hand shot comes down the left side, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's see. and knowing that he's a shooter, I was kind of expecting him to shoot. Um, so I just wasn't sure if what, where he was going to go. Was he going to be a high glove guy, a low blocker? You know, was he going to go tweeners? And he kind of like pulls the puck and, and turns his body back just a bit to create a little bit of a this hesitation and then just fires a quick release to the glove side. And I was like, that you can tell it that totally fooled the goaltender. It was yeah. a really, really subtle, but nice, nice, uh, nice shot, nice deception. Um, heck of a release, and that was that was that was nice. Yeah, ties it up at two there, and then uh, big big uh, save on Conazari, a very high touted prospect uh, for that organization uh, to to cap off the the three shooters. So then we go into little extra shots. Uh, Kill Thomas gets the opportunity, does not able to put it in, and then <clears throat> Heat uh, finish it off. Uh, Papasil uh, puts the goal in. So overall, uh, in this game. Rain did everything they could to stay in this game. The Heat were peppering them constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes out to a shootout goal. You get one point. It would have been nice to take both of them here and, and push yourself into that into that lead. Uh, but positives to take away. Rasmus gets two. Uh, you know uh, there. Uh, Samuel uh, Fagimo gets a power play goal uh, and gets a nice little shootout goal. So he gets two, and Gabriel Velarde. Uh, gets two as well. So a couple of pairs, a trio of pairs there uh, for the game. Uh, Spence stays hot with the assist train. Uh, Tynan does what he does. And so, I mean, we could say that all the time. Uh, and then uh, the team looked pretty decent in this one. I think, you know, listen, you go to Stockton, big series, trying to get the division, and you take three out of four points. I think I think you take that, right? So uh, all in all, I think that's a good weekend. So let's move on to the last game, a single game against the Bakersfield. Uh, this one was not pretty. And so <laughs> five to one. Um, this uh, I'm going to let you kind of uh, lead it on this one here because I did not get a chance to uh, finish this full game. So uh, looking at the first period, doesn't look that doesn't look that bad. Ontario's up uh, 14 to 10 in the shots. Uh, Luke Esposito with his seventh of the year. And then uh, Anderson Dolan and Ferk combined uh, to get a goal in the first. So at the end of one, it's one one. Yeah, it was one one. It was it was a good game, um, back and forth. And I thought the goal that Esposito scored was kind of a, a bit of a broken, um, bit of a broken play down low, kind of squeaked past uh, Ingham in tight there. But uh, Ferk with an absolute laser uh, from the slot to tie it. So after one, you're like, okay, it's 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 not a bad period. A rare zero for two uh, for the rain on the power play in the period. But all in all. Um, you know, it was, it was a one, one game on the road. Um, so I think overall it wasn't a bad period. Then we go to the second one and kind of weird. I mean, you, you would assume, uh, give up four goals in the second that Baker, Bakersfield would have had 26 shots or something, but only Sheffins seven shots on goal, four goals. Uh, let it seemed like a lot broke down for that to happen. So here's the thing. And, and I know that it's going to look very bad on, on Ingham and I get it. Like, 
there's no way to spin it as it was good good for Ingham to give up what he gave up in that period. But when you watch the goals, I mean, Cooper Marodi was able to, he comes down the left side, cuts into the middle, virtually uncontested. And so he's got a free shot from the right between the circles. Okay. Then the next two are Seth Griffith goals. And I'm telling you, you go watch the highlights of the goals. I don't know that I have the time in men's league to do what he does. He gets the puck and he's able to take a stick handle, look up, glide with one foot in the air. He's got the leg kick in stride and he pauses and he has that much time and still zips it. So you've got three point blank shots that was that of three, two, three situations where the player was allowed to skate right into the slot area, virtually uncontested. So yeah. Okay. You, you, you hope maybe Ingham comes up with one, but they didn't do him any favors uh, on those three goals. And then they give up uh, a stretch pass breakaway to Lavoie. So, you know, not a great, you know, period for Ingham, but, it's hard to put it all on him though. He had no help that period whatsoever. I know, like you said, it wasn't as if they got peppered in, in shots on goal, but man, those are just, those are unacceptable breakdowns. And those are, are situations that should not happen in the defensive zone. Uh, agreed. <clears throat> so uh, Ingham gets pulled on the, in this one. Uh, he had his final line. Uh, you're looking at 40 minutes, uh, 12 uh, saves on 17 shots. Not pretty. They put in Valalta for the third, and, and he gets a goose egg there. So no scoring from either team. Uh, Bakerfield's end up winning 5-1 in this one. Uh, 0 for 6 on the power play uh, from Ontario. Was it just the no chemistry there, in your opinion? Uh, good penalty kill from, from Bakersfield or a combination of that? I thought Stalock played good in net for Bakersfield. I, I thought the power play, especially, I think it was one of the first period ones. They they moved it around pretty good. I thought they had a couple of decent looks. Um, you know, it was one of those games where they didn't fall, but I thought Stalock played very well for uh, for Bakersfield in this one. So let's uh, let's let's go here now. With all those games, plenty of options. Uh, the favorite always for. The rain, uh, oops, that's start of the week. Uh, that should be star of the week. The rain star of the week uh, is usually Tynan uh, based on what he does. So we could just give him uh, that. This is the Tynan star of the week. So the Tynan star of the week. <laughs> uh, but uh, who is your who's your pick for, for star of the week here? Uh, you can give some honorable mentions if you'd like. Um, I think for honorable mentions, I think it was nice to see Turcotte continue his point streak. Uh, as I alluded to in the article I just wrote, I am all in on Jared Anderson Dolan and what he's been doing this year. I thought he's had a good stretch, gave Velarde another good stretch. Um, but for me, and I'm, I actually don't recall, I may have picked this one last time. Uh, Matt Velalta continues his strong play, even the game where he gave up five goals, including that game where he gave up five goals. He has got a 932 save percentage in his last six uh, start, or excuse me, his last seven appearances. Um, excuse, I'm sorry, last four starts. He's got a 932 save percentage. He's faced 30 shots in his last six starts. The rain, I uh, was going back to the shots on goal, they're seventh worst in the American Hockey League in shots on goal against per game. They're averaging over 31 shots against. So he has been busy. I've referenced this before. Um, his uh, Sean O'Brien does a tableau on uh, with a bunch of statistics. He's got a point shares um, metric that he that is compiled for using AHL data. And um, Matty Valalta's graded out is a goaltender who sees hard work but good results. So. I, and that's been his his season. So outside the bad stretch, he's seeing a ton of rubber. I I, I alluded to it earlier. I think there's a goal here and there that you kind of want him to have back, but you can't argue the way he's playing. I think right now. Um, and again, he 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 did it again. He, he picked up two wins and a shootout loss. He was great in relief against Bakersfield. So uh, Matty Valalt is my star of the week. Yeah, good pick there, and nice and steep progression. Um, I was debating uh, going back and forth on this. Uh, I know we have given a lot of love to uh, obviously Tynan, um, Velarde, and, and Jad. I'm going to go Turcotte on this one. And the reason being is that this, this can't be easy for him, you know, as far as 
one, his best friend is having the most success he he could possibly have in, in Trevor Zagris. Uh, you're looking at the fact that um, having multiple injuries, and this is his first and first full season, came up, didn't really blow the top off the door or the the roof off the door, or however you want to put that. I'm, I'm fumbling over my own words here, but it gets sent back down. And so, like, what are you going to do? His biggest thing is you need to be a point producer to be a top five pick, right? Like what I, why I wrote this uh, or tweeted this out a month ago, average top five pick plays over 840 something games. Uh, and so to do that, you have to be a successful player. Like you're, you can't be a, a fourth liner for 800 plus games. You're going to have to be a top line player that kind of progresses his game. And he has that defensively and he needs to have the offense and to, to see him get a point streak, uh, for me was, was a nice and promising for him. Uh, a couple games with multiple goals, uh, g- games that goals he had, a, I thought, uh, one in particular was a good shot, uh, where, you know, we kind of make fun of him that all his goals come within three feet. So I, I just, hey, want that's, him to okay. Get, that's okay. I, well, Hey, I just take goals wherever at this point, but <laughs> you know, at, at some point he's going to have to you know, uh, stop being, stop being that guy and try to give the opportunity of being a number five pick. It probably won't happen this year. I think I'm in agreement with you that Velarde and, and Jad are my top for, uh, forwards to come up first. Uh, but Turcotte's going to need to have a good, he's going to one, he needs to show the leadership quality that the Calder race is going to have, which is, uh, or the cult for the Calder trophy. This, like he's going to have to play a major part in that for the rain to win Two, he coming in a camp. There's a little there. There's an unknown amount of spots available, and mm-hmm. you're going to have Byfield being there. Velarde should have an opportunity. Jad's going to have the opportunity. Uh, you know, you look at Kaliev's going to get moved up. So where does that fit um, for Turcotte? Is it, probably not in the top six. So you know, this might be something that he has to earn it again at another level in the NHL. So I don't know, maybe he start. maybe he's the upgraded version of Lazat and Jad moves to wing and gets more power play time. I don't know. You better watch your mentions. If you even <laughs> Turcotte and Lazat in the same sentence, by the way. Um, so what did you, I think that was a long winded way answer. Say, I'm glad he started getting some points on the board. And I am too. I am. I am too. And I think, listen, I didn't think he needed to be up earlier. I think he needs to stay in Ontario. Just let him stay in Ontario. He's not necessarily an improvement over anything or offers anything different over anything they got in Los Angeles. Let him develop and get this year under his belt, this pro year in Ontario. I The guys to call up offensively, depending on need, like if you're looking for a production, a goal scorer, uh, I think it's Filardi. I think if you're a guy to fill in, can play jack of all trades, I think it's John. That's how I look at this. Keep yeah. Turcotte, right. let him produce. My question is, you know, we we referenced and we had Scott Wheeler on the show um, a while back, and he had said, and then he he just came out with his his the rankings, and the Kings were second, and he kind of put in that ranking what he told us on the show was, you know, he he used the words middle. He was the phrase middle six instead of top six when he talked to us on the show. And in his write up says an impactful top nine player. So, you know, obviously things are starting to perhaps. I, I don't want to. I don't mean this in a negative way, but like shifting right in terms of where prospect uh, folks see him go. He's still rated third in the organization in terms of prospects. So obviously, he's still highly touted. How does that land for you when you see Turcotte um, and maybe hear the words middle six and top nine rather than top six or first line? It sucks because you top five picks should be first line player. So, I mean, that's just in my opinion. But what if he's what if he's I follow? Yeah, reliable, has a little bit of offense to his game. Not a, a guy that maybe is a top three or top line player on a Stanley Cup winning team, but if you need him to play up there, he can. Um, and he kind of just floats wherever the puzzle piece fits for for Turcotte. And ultimately, if he's that and he plays 800 games because he's serviceable and dependable everywhere else, and his offense isn't elite as we thought it would be when he was averaging two points per game 
in his draft year. It's a, it's unfortunate based on my expectation, but if he helps us win cups and he produces on <clears> that <throat> games played level of around 800 and he's serviceable, then it's a successful pick. Is it disappointing that he's not top five? Sure. Is it prospect envy that, you know, Zagreus is doing spinorama goals for the in the All Star already, and we could have had him. Sure, I mean, there's always prospect envy, right? Like as far as yep. Forbert versus Tarasenko, this and that. But in the grand scheme of things, if you go down the crystal ball lane, and Turcotte plays his games allotted to be quoted a successful pick by the the averages that I laid out earlier, and he's not a top line guy, but he gets it done in other ways, and he's around the league for a long time, and we hoist a cup with him. I don't think people are going to care that he had to yeah. sit out all this year. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and Wheeler mentioned it when we had him on the show that uh, he's a, he's a future letter wear as a future captain. Um, but, you know, my, my thought, <laughs> again, as I alluded to with Faber, the Kings are in this spot where somebody's going to have to be on the way out. If Turcotte is still a blue chip to an organization and he is a piece, I'm not afraid to move him. Me either. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's, I don't know if that's, again, like I said with Faber, I don't know if that's a controversial opinion to have, but I'm not in the slightest afraid to move him. As you said before, I think the only untouchables from a prospect standpoint are Byfield and Clark, and you could probably include Kaliev in there, I, I suppose. But, you know, the way I look at it is the Kings have their centers for the next, you know, I think Kopitar still got a few years left, to, uh, at least hopefully. So you've got his the centers for the next few years on the wing. You know, I suspect they're going to bring back Kempe. If he's not going to be a top six wing producer, Turcotte, where I think Velarde is and can be, I I have no problem if he's a, if he's a piece. If it takes, let's play a game. If it's Turcotte, let's. Let's just throw Chikrin again. Use him as the example. If it's Turcotte, Faber, and a first or something like that, is that too much? Is that do you do that? Um, is it that that could be at least what it costs? Yeah. Um, so I don't know, uh, but I'm not. Uh, I think that I've said it before. Like as much as we want to be fans and we love the development, we love the prospects, and, I, and so do I. But we can't hug them too tightly. Yet you, you can't be so blinded by your own guys that that you're afraid to move them yeah i mean you're looking at the top guys right now that are could be moved on the forward are going to be turcotte and uh and velarde and at the way velarde is producing in the ahl level you probably could he probably has the higher value so like if you wanted to give up less assets you probably would give up velarde and keep turcotte but if it's the beauty's in the eye of the beholder i mean maybe People think Turcotte is uh, just is the same thing as Velarde and was injured most yep. of the beginning of his career. And Velarde is now multiple years healthy and Turcotte can do the same thing if when he gets multiple years healthy. So, you know, it's it's all hypotheticals Yeah. at, at yeah. this point, you know, because, <clears throat> you know, who knows what goes on. I like Turcotte. I think that he yeah. uh, seems like a good guy. Uh, I know I saw on Instagram uh, him and a couple of the boys went down to Cabo. Uh, and so he seems to be, you know, a well-integrated member of that uh, of that team. I think it was Spence and Madden and a couple other guys went down there uh, based on based on Instagram there. So, I mean, he seems like a character guy. He comes from a good family. His dad's a first-round pick. He's been around. I mean, he hangs out with the Hughes family as well a, a lot. And so... He's around hockey. He seems like a good dude. I think he's getting the one. His play hasn't been there to earn that he's a, a, a the elite prospect that he was when we drafted him of mm-hmm. the organization because uh, the introduction of Clark and his play this year, where Byfield's draft position was, the resurgence of Velarde, mm-hmm. uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But he's still, you know, third according to Wheeler. I think most people would probably <laughs> put him in their top five. Yeah. I know I would just based on wanting to give him more time. So uh, what about you? I mean, would you can still consider him in your top five as far as prospects for the team? For Kings prospects? I, I think so. Um, I I would put 
Um, I know Wheeler has, I'd flip Velarde and Turcotte, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I think I would have him, I would think I would have Turcotte in the top five, yes. Because I think there's a valuable player there. Like even if he is that middle six guy that, but but he's just a rock two way forward. You mentioned Ayafalo, maybe something along that reign or along that realm. You know, that's that's not to say he just because he he may not be the elite point producer doesn't mean he can't be a productive NHL player and an important NHL player for the Kings if they do end up if he ends up sticking around and he's not somebody that's that's included in a trade. He is very likely going to be a valuable piece. And imagine like if if. I look at he, you know, looking ahead to next season, if he maybe is somebody that could play along, maybe he plays alongside Quentin Byfield next year on the third line center. Um, I think that would be great, right? I, I think there's 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 opportunity here still for him. Uh, I'm not necessarily, I'm not like throwing dirt on him and then he's done. It's just my whole thing is looking at it from a value standpoint. Is his value only getting lower the less the more he doesn't produce <laughs> like at, a, at an elite level is that going to hurt his his value uh from a trade standpoint you know because right now it probably is still pretty high as it should be he's still a very young i think it's still prospect. a first round value based on his draft position but that. it's not yeah. i don't think yeah. it's a top 10 like top 10 pick type value anymore. like if you would if you were to like what a year ago it would have been he might not even be on the table People were talking about not yeah. not wanting to include him for Jack Eichel. Like, yeah. The the thought of trading Velarde and Turcotte last summer for Eichel, you would have gotten abused on the Twitter. Now, for me, that was only because of his injury question. Well, me personally, you personally, but yeah, but, I can say we were saying Twitter, yeah, yeah, but like, still, pe- people are like, no way, no way, no way, and it's like. They're both in the HL right now. <laughs> so again, it's why I say you you got to be careful. Don't hug them too tightly. So again, I, I like the player and I I hope people understand I'm coming at this from like a, a value standpoint rather than I hate the player type of thing. Right. I, I feel you. Uh no uh no points yet in the Avalanche Golden Knights game as we're talking right here. Let's see. Because Eichel's supposed to make his debut yep. tonight. Did he end up doing that? Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, he is ice time. He and, has uh, four minutes of ice time so far. And by the way, just real quick, as we mentioned, Jack Eichel, the pieces Buffalo got back are doing a hell of a job. Tuck's yeah. been great, and Krebs has been really good both here in Rochester in the American League, but also in his call up to uh, to Buffalo. So good on them. He's already in Buffalo. Yeah. You know, hey. Uh, the piece I wrote a couple months ago documented like, hey, like he was supposed to be a top 10 pick and fell because of his injury. Um, so go ahead and read that piece. That'll be deep dive uh, if you want to go into hockey royalty for maybe what the Kings might do with their draft pick this year. But yeah, I mean, good back. I mean, they might not ever reach the, the potential of Eichel, but at least the pieces that they picked are producing. Yes, absolutely. He picked up two assists the other day, yesterday, did Krebs. So. And then the, the piece for Reinhardt. The goalie has looked mm-hmm. excellent. So, oh my god, their goaltending situation looks incredible. Yeah, in the in the minors. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's so funny how it's funny how like a lot of the armchair GMs and you know including us were like, man, did they get enough for Eichel? And are these really the right pieces and all this kind of stuff? Or hey, the Kings could have gave up more for for Reinhardt and gotten Reinhardt, but maybe Buffalo <laughs> wanted the goalie. Yeah, you know, yeah. like and yeah. and that's what Absolutely. they wanted, and and they got the piece that they wanted, and they're producing so. Uh, sometimes it's about the the quality of the pickback and maybe not the you know what what people think they're back and forth. But uh, it's been great, man. Uh, always good talking to you. I know we could probably go for another hour of hypothetical hockey talk, but uh, you know the fans have uh, more. Uh, we had another podcast come out earlier yes, today. Today being Wednesday, so check that one out. And this yep. one will be out Thursday, depending <laughs> on when you listen to it or just listen to whenever. It's gonna be where all podcasts are sold. Uh, not a live show this time on YouTube, but uh, 95% of the shows will be live. Um, getting everything set up there so that way you guys can interact. We love interacting with you fans. Always send us your questions there on Twitter uh, for the fan shows uh, as well. Uh, Joe, fantastic. Let them know where you, they can find you on uh, the Twitskies. JW Paterino. 
I'm at Rando Commando 24. Again, you can find us at hockey underscore royalty. If you're watching YouTube, it's all down there at the bottom. Our website's hockeyroyalty.com. We also have gear and merch available. Joe was not wearing it this time. He wore it a couple episodes ago. T-shirts, hoodies, all this kind of stuff, mugs. Uh, awesome. Pretty much Check everything you can want there. Uh, awesome site there. Uh, they can find it at hockeyroyalty.com. Yep. And 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 be repping the brand brand in LA. You know, you're being you guys gonna be repping the brand well anywhere you really, but rep it before it gets popular, man. You're gonna say you're the OG of the hockey royalty community, <laughs> rep it before it gets popular. So thank you guys for listening as always. Uh and go Kings Go. Go USA. All the way, baby.